It's just plain wrong that getting a good night's sleep is so hard. You know, sleep doesn't have to be this hard. There is a faster way to get better sleep. Sleep Takeout gives you real practical sleep solutions and your questions answered. I'm Dr. Bond, and I'm a licensed psychologist. And I'm Dr. Satuni, and I'm a board-certified sleep and pulmonary physician. And we're here to talk to you about sleep advice without a pill. This Sleep Takeout podcast is for information and entertainment purposes. This podcast is not intended as professional or legal advice. Podcasts are not treatment. Sleep disorders and mental health conditions need to be individualized with the healthcare provider. Sleep Takeout is not a replacement for professional advice or recommendations. So help your friends sleep better. Share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Hi guys, it's Michelle Satuni. I am coming to you in 2023. I am solo today, unfortunately. Dr. Dan and I have not been able to get together just due to a lot of different things going on in 2023, and that is okay. We will be together for our next recording session. So um, 2023, uh, let's see, product that I like to review is another one of those um, those drinks with the reishi mushrooms. This one was not specifically geared towards calm. It was geared towards sleep, but same brand. I'm going to put a link to the show notes. Um, and this one, I will tell you, um, I did not like at all. The taste was extremely bitter. Um, and I don't really feel that it did much for sleep. Um, on the flip side, um, it is still a good non-caffeinated warm beverage, but it has like a very earthy, flavor that is more similar to, um, I don't know, probably like putting a tea bag in your mouth than actually having something tasty to, to drink. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, definitely approve the cocoa, the cacao, um, cinnamon one that was for calm more than this one that was, uh, specifically geared for sleep. So that is, um, my 30 second review on my, my new drink product. And, you know, it's not that often that our weather is is pretty chilly in Florida, but we have had these couple cold snaps, and I think that um, it does cause people in the dark and the cold to spend a lot more time indoors, and sometimes indoors and in bed. It's just it's just comfortable. We're done with the holidays. Um, some of us, including myself, have kind of been sick for a little bit portion of the holidays, and you know it's going to happen. But what um, what I want to talk today about is something that I think will be a good, uh, really starting point for 2023 and our <clears throat> our new season for this year is something that we use in um, working with insomnia patients uh, and something that we can use on our own when we find we're in a little bit of a rut with sleep. So what happened to me um, is we go, 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 you know, through December, different holidays, different, um, you know, end of the year type of activities. And then you, you conk out. Like, I mean, I just got a regular respiratory type of infection and it's in bed for a couple of days. So you spend the time in bed trying to rest and restore and you're healing. And then you come into this rut where you spend a lot of extra time in bed where you're not sleeping. And then, um, you know, after you're getting healthier, you just spend these hours potentially of waking up in bed and it can happen to everybody. If it can happen to a sleep specialist that does this for a living, it can happen to any of us. And then we tend to spend a lot of time in bed, you know, thinking or we start um, trying to answer emails or 
play games on our phones. And again, these are just very bad habits that we all know about and we talk about a lot on this podcast. Um, but really, they happen a lot more when you're spending more time in bed than um, just for sleep. So today's talk is going to be about what sleep restriction is, talk a little bit about how it works and how it is one of the um, probably most common uh, behavioral ways to improve sleep efficiency. And the definition of sleep efficiency is um, how much of the time that you're sleeping versus how much of the time that you're spending in bed. And sleep restriction was initially um, developed or, or like outlined by uh, Dr. Spielman. We've talked about him before on this podcast because he was another one that developed the three P's of Spielman, talking about uh, predisposing factors, precipitating factors, and then the perpetuating factors of why people continue uh, with insomnia. And he was a neurologist, um, and he did a lot of uh, work in the sleep medicine field. But when Dr. Spielman really outlined sleep restriction, he um, did this through some very specific research methods uh, and tried to outline what this works and why it, it works or what, we, or what we're actually doing. So it's part of the CBTI method, and the whole idea is not necessarily to get you better quality sleep, but it does by improving um, how much of the time that you're actually in bed you will actually be sleeping in bed as opposed to being awake in bed or doing other things in bed, okay? So the first premise of sleep restriction therapy, and I'm going to link to a couple um, websites and also my instructions that I use in the office, and I'll add um, Dr. Dan's uh, information if he has specific printed instructions. Uh, but the first thing that you want to do to outline for sleep restriction is you want to basically log a pattern of what you're doing already, so um, there's many different sort of sleep logs that you can use. I like the American Academy of Sleep Medicines. I like it because it's on a single sheet of paper. I like that it's a lot of just shading in boxes and using arrows and letters. Um, but I do not necessarily want dissertations if I'm looking at a lot of these during the day. So you record your sleep pattern. So you're keeping a sleep log. You can also use a sleep tracking app. You can use um, you know, some sort of fitness or sleep tracker. Um, but what you want to do is be able to really identify how much of the time that you think that you're sleeping over a two-week period. And you want to take an average. So we'll all have days of less sleep, you know, let's say two, three hours of sleep one night, and then you'll have another night of sleep maybe a week later, and it's eight or ten hours. So what we want to do is kind of keep an average. And then, you know, when you're in middle school and you learn about, like, the mean, median, and mode. Um, so we don't want to just go based on you know, a vacation day or an off day. You really want to keep a good average, so a mean of what the sleep thing is. And some people, um, some sleep specialists actually throw out the lowest and the highest number when you're calculating this sort of pattern. But you keep a log for two weeks. Why it's important for two weeks is, is generally that will catch a couple weekends. It'll catch weekdays. It'll catch off days. It'll catch days maybe that there were some extenuating circumstances, but you want to keep at least two weeks. Some people will keep a little bit longer, but two weeks is what I do. Um, the next is keep taking that average, so the mean of the hours that you sleep. Well, hey, Dr. Michelle, how do I know how much I'm sleeping if he's already told me not to look at the clock? As many of you that have listened to this podcast and have talked to me before, one of my most important messages to people is to stop looking at clocks. So, what you want to do is roughly keep an average um, 
average time of what you think. Now, the important part is that let's say your average time ends up being somewhere in the four or five hour range. We don't restrict people to less than six hours. So if nightly you're averaging four or five hours of sleep and however much time in bed, let's just say for for argument's sake, let's say it's eight hours in bed, four hours sleeping. So therefore your sleep efficiency is 50%. We don't want to restrict people to less than six hours in bed. A, it's mean. Um, B, it can be dangerous. Um, and C, it's just unrealistic to restrict people to less than six hours of sleep when we know that potentially they are sleeping a little bit longer and less than six hours of sleep does create some dysfunction the next day. So it would affect, you know, your interaction with other people, would maybe potentially affect your job. So six hours is the minimum. So if you kind of look at, you know, a week or two and you're getting about five hours, then your your restriction, which you want to write down for how much time you want to restrict your time in bed, is six hours. Now, on the flip side, if you're spending on average 10, 11, 12 hours of time sleeping in bed and maybe even more time than that, in bed, um, that would be more than most people are able to sleep. So kind of take a look and are you really sleeping or are you just spending that time in bed up and down? So what you want to do is then record with this log, you have your pattern of sleep over a couple weeks, then you have what your averages are each night. You want to take that average hours and where I kind of differ from other people on this, I really have a a interest in keeping someone's realistic for their job and their life, their wake up time. So what you want to do is you want to set your wake up time, probably more important than the sleep time at night, but, um, you set your, your wake up time. So if you have to be up for work, um, and you need an hour to, you know, get everything together, get your lunch made, get physically to work, maybe, you know, have that little wiggle room. If I needed to be at work at seven, um, then I'm going to set my wake up time at six. Now, you don't have to use the six. You could use a 5.30 or a five o'clock, let's say if you wanted to exercise or you had um, longer commute times. But it's really important that that wake up time is going to be set seven days a week, even if you're not going into work. So try and set something that's realistic for you. If you are a night person, um, this may be a uh, later wake-up time rather than picking your wake-up to do all of your exercise. If you haven't identified, if you're a night person or morning person, you can refer you back to just listen to yourself. When are you the most productive and what do you want to do? So let's pick a wake-up time. Um, In my example here, we're going to use our 6 a.m. wake-up time. I have a teenager. I have uh, things that I have to just get done in the morning. Not a terribly long commute. Um, and if my s- habits were such that over over the last couple weeks, I was only getting six hours of s- actual sleep time on my sleep log, and I set my wake-up time to be six o'clock in the morning, then my restricted time where I would be setting my bedtime is now midnight. Okay, so midnight to six o'clock in the morning is it is six hours. Okay, so I hope that um, we're all at the same point. So we're restricting our time in bed to the time that we've really averaged sleeping. Now, I know what you're going to say. Well, just because I'm in bed for that amount of time doesn't mean that I'm going to sleep. That is true. So you have to start from somewhere. 
And part of the fear with insomnia and part of those perpetuating factors that we have in bad sleep is we give our bodies and our brains more opportunity than what we've we've earned to get that sleep time. So your sleep time will go up. This is not this is just a starting point. This is a starting point that's realistic. And this is training your body from a behavioral standpoint. Hey, if you're getting six hours of sleep, I'm going to give you that opportunity for six hours of sleep. Typically, um, you know, the first week is is just body, you're getting your body used to it. And most of the time, uh, someone will say, gosh, it's just really very, very hard to stay up when I'm so tired. But by the end of probably somewhere between a one and two weeks, so about 10 days in, what people notice is that they not only fall asleep faster, which is expected in many situations, they're going to bed much later than usual. They're finding that they're having more opportunity to have their wind down routine, and so they're actually sleepier going into bed. And because they're not having as many wake-ups and they probably are getting some better quality sleep, they are sleeping more of the time or having an easier time if they've gotten up to be able to get back to sleep. So my typical follow-through and follow-up with sleep restriction is it's really important to check in either with yourself or a friend maybe that's doing it with you in a couple weeks and find out where the, um, the, the like speed bumps are happening. So many times one of the speed bumps is if you are restricting yourself to much less time than you've been allowing yourself previously, um, people will start falling asleep like on the couch watching TV in the evening or if they're, or if they're reading or doing some homework, they'll fall asleep doing that. And so the important part is catch yourself on what it is that's happening at that point so that you can fix it. So in the example of let's say you fall asleep on the couch watching television, one of the things is you can, A, not watch any television, uh, which usually doesn't go over as well. Um, but B, you can try to do something active while you're watching television. So some people will do a word find or a game. Other people w- maybe will not sit. They'll just do some stretching or some walking. Um, the important part is you don't want to really you know, get all hyped up. So you probably don't want to eat any extra food that, not that time. You probably don't want to do any cardiovascular aerobic type of exercise. And definitely you don't want to do something that's going to put more ideas in your head. So um, like starting planning a new project or um, working on a, you know, a side hustle business that you're going to be working on. So that's really your kind of wind down time. Um, but it's also your time where at a very specific time, you already know what time you're going to bed, you're going to need to be able to transition to that. So um, the important part is staying with the program, even if you find that some days you're getting a little bit less sleep. You don't want to give yourself more opportunity. Now, if you're restricting yourself to six hours sleep and finding that you are getting tired during the day and really having some functional problems, there are some allowable you know, short naps or short rest periods, but you do not want to get into bed to do that. You are restricting your time in bed to time that you're actually sleeping in bed where you want to. Um, the next premise after this is you want to try to figure out if you're meeting your mark and sleeping 80% of the time that you're in bed, then you would like to give yourself a little extra opportunity to sleep because six hours for many people is not enough. So that extra opportunity may be um, not changing your wake-up time because that's your anchor. 
the next opportunity would be to give yourself 15 extra minutes to be able to fall asleep at night um, for extra time. So if now I chose my six o'clock in the morning wake up and my midnight bedtime, um, and I'm finding that I'm really hitting my mark, I'm falling asleep within five minutes and sleeping more through the night, I then change my bedtime after two weeks um, to 11.45. So giving myself 15 minutes more opportunity to sleep. So I'm still restricted, so I can't just get into bed whenever I want, um, but I'm trying to give myself more opportunity to sleep and still feel good during the day and keep the sleep efficiency. So when I talk about sleep restriction to people, I do not want to have a lot of ups and downs. It's like it's like yo-yo dieting. You do not want to lose 20 pounds and then gain 20 pounds or lose 20 pounds, gain 10 pounds back. You really want to make your brain understand the structure. So I don't recommend changing your amount of time unless you've been very consistent with good sleep efficiency above 80% of the time in bed during your set restricted time. Um, you, unless it's above 80%, you don't want to give yourself 15 minutes more. So you do need to kind of check in and see how you're doing on a probably every two or three week basis. The more that you can stay stable and the more your sleep efficiency stays consistent and good, 80% and above, then you can give yourself more opportunity to sleep. I hope this is making sense. Normally, Dan would, uh, you know, be here to kind of help me go back and forth and uh, decide if there's any other questions. Um, so you'll gradually increase the amount of time that you have in bed until you are starting to feel rested and restored and not feeling that you want to spend more time in bed. So what this looks like is um, I'm going to bed now at 11.45. I'm getting up more during the night, but I'm still falling asleep relatively quick, but we'll stay there. We'll keep our sleep logs or use a tracker and know that, you know, we're getting our, our sleep times to be at least 80%, and we'll be there for a couple weeks. We, if we give ourselves another 30 minutes, okay, so now I'm going to bed at 11.30 and getting up at 6 o'clock, and now I'm having a harder time falling asleep, and I'm having a harder time staying asleep or getting back to sleep, and now my sleep efficiency starts going down 70%. 60% or, you know, maybe I'm even back to my 50%. And on, additionally, if, you know, something new happens, you know, an illness or something happens in the household that really is disrupting this pattern or a vacation, what you want to do is you want to go back um, and you want to go back and be more to kind of that stability where you were successful. A lot of sleep, both the cognitive and behavioral structural changes, a lot of these need to be very, very kind to yourself. You're not competing with anybody but yourself, and your brain does pick up on these little cues where you may run into trouble. A very common one is waking up well before your planned wake-up time, kind of these early morning awakenings where you're just dealing with stressors. Again, they may not even be stressors that you're anticipating. They may be just very small you know, conversations that you have with yourself or with other people, you know, from the day before or things that are popping up. But when you find that your sleep efficiency is going down and you're really reliving these little moments, that's again, when you want to get up and get out of bed, you're restricting your time in bed to time that you're sleeping. 
and you are not just allowing yourself to just kind of slide backwards and allow yourself more hours of time in bed. So the sheet that I'm going to link in the in the show notes is just my example of that sleep restriction program where it may take you months to deal with this, particularly if you're someone who's been on medications uh, for sleep or is having other medical issues like a pain dis- problem or waking up for um, someone else in the household. Um, but it's very important to improve your sleep efficiency. Most people, when asked, would rather have better quality sleep and not necessarily as many hours. And your body does really want that too, to a certain extent after that six-hour moment, because the deeper the sleep, the more effective that it's going to be for you the next day. So the important part is for you to end up finding your ideal bedtime and that ideal amount of sleep hours that you need. And hopefully it's something that works for you. Um, You know, the joke at my house is that I probably need about nine hours of sleep to be optimal for me, and then I end up having to settle for that roughly six-hour mark. So the goal is going to be to keep working on it and keep working on lifestyle modifications to get that appropriate amount of time sleeping, Um, but you don't have a set timeline of when that's going to happen. So that is sleep restriction in a nutshell. Um, It is an extremely commonly used behavioral tactic to improve how much of the time that you're in bed is actually spent sleeping, which is an important component to treating underlying insomnia. I hope this was helpful. Um, I look forward to recording the next uh, podcast with Dan in 2023. And uh, until next time, We will uh, wish you good sleep and um, remember to keep March 25th on your calendar for the next uh, Sleep Tampa Bay event. And uh, we will be hopefully trying to record a podcast at that event, trying to um, get 2023 sleep going in Tampa Bay. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sleep Takeout. We hope that you found our discussion on sleep valuable. Help your friends to sleep better. You can share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Remember, Sleep Nation, sleep well, dream big, and wake up refreshed. Bye. Bye.